Humboldt. Last week. Damn, it is getting hot out there while I record this. Welcome to Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. This is a way to hear highlights from Humboldt's last week of news while you get stuff done. I love how you've been telling your Humboldt friends and family about the podcast. Please do keep it up. Of course, the one-stop shop to connect and listen is HumboldtLastWeek.com. I've also got some new music playlists there if you're interested. Try not to get rusty after all those years I spent working in radio. Oh, and please like Humboldt Last Week on Facebook for episode updates and localized content. Well, thanks so much to the partnership this week from Bongo Boy Studio. They just wrapped up a studio upgrade and deep clean, making sure everything is working seamless. Musicians love that because it super limits any retakes because of technical difficulties. So they're dedicated to making sure a high-end recording experience is within reach of anyone who has a dream. Check them out at bongoboystudio.com. Well, let's jump right in, shall we? Humboldt multimillionaire Rob Arkley was covered even more for his plans to stop a Native American island from being given back to Native Americans. In a piece in the North Coast Journal, they analyzed a bunch of Rob Arkley's emails to the city of Eureka, basically trying to prevent them from giving Indian Island back to the Wiat, Indian Island out there between Eureka and Samoa. That's spiritual land and the site of a brutal Wiat massacre back in 1860. In the emails... After talking about bringing lawyers into the mix, Arkley wrote, Think of the taxpayers with potholes and underpaid police. Why is the city giving away a property for free? And the city's basically like, transferring the land back is the right thing to do. So, bottom line, Arkley and Eureka still not seeing eye to eye on this. I'll follow the story for you. Well, no grenade launchers for the cops here yet, but the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office will be getting an armored vehicle after President Trump made that possible. Trump's new executive order will once again allow cops to get surplus military gear. That undoes a 2015 Obama policy. Sheriff Hansel told the Times Standard he was happy with the order, pretty much saying you need a strong first line of defense. This armored vehicle is effective for active shooter situations. But he said there's a balance. He noted we don't need tanks rolling through Humboldt County or a gunship to patrol the bay. Some local departments do not have plans to request military-grade equipment. That would be Eureka, Rio Del, Arcata, and HSU. Well, maybe you saw people over in Texas got a little Humboldt help. I saw on Channel 3 that Humboldt Bay Coast Guard sent over some crew members over there to help those impacted by Hurricane Harvey. So that's Humboldt putting in a little search and rescue work for what's probably going to be the most expensive natural disaster in our nation's history. Well, more and more kids here are being put into foster care because of abuse and neglect. And for the last two years, the rate of kids entering the system has been more than double the state average. Also, the foster care system here has a lack of state funding and county social workers have a high turnover rate, a lot of burnout. It's not good. So a child welfare services program manager talked to the Times Standard and said they've been talking about expanding the hiring pool and considering applicants with degrees outside of psychology or social work. They're looking at getting more applicants from HSU and more programs and training so that social workers stay motivated to help. These kids and families obviously are in dire need of the help and becoming a foster parent is a process that takes time, health checkups, classes, and now even more training on top of that, but clearly a very much needed and super valuable thing for our community. 
Well, the federal government says the county has to pay a family two and a half million dollars after this fatal incident at the jail in Eureka. According to the journal, a homeless and schizophrenic man was put in a sobering cell alone and he died in there. Lawyers said he had a lethal dose of meth. A jury found three jail employees failed to properly screen the guy before putting in the sobering cell, and they found out the county failed to adequately train these three officers. Looks like uh, the county may try to overturn this, and it also looks like the family may file a civil suit to get the county to pay for their legal fees on top of this. Uh, 52 years in prison for a man who shot someone to death a couple years ago over a botched marijuana deal in Arcata. According to Loco, the murderer appeared to be fighting back tears during the sentencing. Obviously, overdose deaths here are an issue. There was that Loco video. You catch that? Here's a stat from it. From 2012 to 2016, Humble had 372 deaths that were drug-related. Almost half of those were overdoses. 16 drug overdoses so far this year compared to 22 last year at this time. So a little less than last year. Trevor Enright at the coroner's office told Loco that overdoses are affecting every socioeconomic class here. But as you'd expect, there's more cases with users on the street. 75-year-old David Kobach pleaded not guilty to murdering his roommate at an apartment in Eureka. That's after, according to Loco, he himself called the shooting in and said he was involved. 58-year-old Frederick Loftus was shot multiple times and pronounced dead at the scene. Well, the Mateel says not enough people went to reggae on the river this year. Did you read that? That means they're in significant debt. The journal pointed this out, which is important. On top of reggae and other events, the Mateel down in Soham is a nonprofit that also offers a free hot lunch program, youth arts and music programs, all kinds of other helpful things. And they're having to scale back now. Their GM thinks the changing cannabis economy is mostly to blame for lower attendance numbers. They've got a meeting coming up on the 19th where they'll talk about the numbers and ideas to get out of debt. A 21-year-old rapper from South Carolina was arrested for his alleged part in a marijuana-related shooting in the hills in southern Humboldt. He was arrested at an airport out east and is set to be extradited back here. Guy goes by the name Bad Butta. That video has over 10,000 views. According to the sheriff's office, the robbery and shooting victim almost died. But looking at his charges, it does not appear he was the one who shot the gun. I guess we'll see. The airport in South Carolina where he was arrested told Kim Kemp his name came up as flagged during screening. And he was arrested without incident. A little bit of a fast food fail. Someone plowed their truck through the Wendy's sign along 101 in Eureka. No word if that had anything to do with the driver feeling a little frosty. I guess destruction was the recipe for that day, not quality. Does Wendy still use that? Quality is our recipe. Oh, wow, the Squires drama. Damn. So one wing of the Blue Heron Motel along 101 in Eureka burns down in an arson fire. And Loco pointed out to a police report which had an allegation that, according to a witness, the woman who was arrested for burning this place down did so because the property owner, Floyd Squires, failed to make good on his promise to give her an apartment in exchange for oral sex. That's the old, you know, BJ for a stay? Little gag for a pad? Head for a bed? <laughs> now, clearly, this is no laughing matter. Blow for a condo? <laughs> Again, so far, unproven allegation from a witness in a police report. 
Such a shit show because the cops in Eureka after this said they did not want that info out here. So more on this Blue Heron. The city demolished the other wing. Both wings now leveled. Eureka said this is about safety concerns at the vacant building, that it was neglected and mismanaged by the owners, Floyd and Betty Squires, and that the Squires will be billed for the cost of that demolition. And I also saw on Loco, Eureka destroyed another Squires building on H Street. A residence Loco called a post-apocalyptic disaster. Well, there's this new Netflix series that's cannabis-themed, a comedy called Disjointed. Pretty soon, somebody's going to become the Walmart of cannabis. Why not us? Because Walmart is evil. You shop there. It's from Chuck Lorre, the same guy who did Two and a Half Men. It's getting terrible reviews from critics. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. 67% of the audience likes it. Anyway, I have not seen the show, but I did see this post. There is a scene in Disjointed where in the background you can see a copy of a Humboldt-based publication, Emerald Magazine. And I'm sure they're fired up about that. Humboldt making its way into the new Kathy Bates show, Disjointed, on Netflix. All right, so in Eureka, is a busker, that is a musician playing for money, exercising their right to free speech, or breaking Eureka's panhandling ordinance? Oscar Leatherman was given a citation for playing his guitar in Eureka for money too close to a business or vehicle traffic. He was within 35 feet of BevMo and Jack in the Box and 101. Here's a little sample of his playing. And now lawyers repping Oscar. He says he was not panhandling, but instead busking, and busking is considered artistic free speech under the Constitution. Uh, one of his lawyers told the North Coast Journal they are confident Eureka's panhandling ordinance is unconstitutional, and every challenge to a similar one nationwide has been successful. So we'll follow that one for you. All right, so a new movie starring Kirsten Dunst and shot completely in Humboldt County is coming out soon. Looks like the official release date is September 22nd, but sooner than that, on September 9th, we can check out a special screening at the Minor in Arcata of Woodshock. And here to talk about that a bit is our film commissioner, Cassandra Hesseltine. Thanks for your time, Cassandra. Yeah, I know. Thank you for having me. Of course. So Woodshock, you know, like Humboldt, is very unique got an A-list actress in a thriller directed by fashion designers. So how would you describe Woodshock? Well, without giving too much away, um, it's definitely a thriller, uh, you know, film, a feature film. Um, it, it has, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's an experience, <laughs> you know, um, Kirsten's character goes through a lot in a in a really unique way where um, you know it's, it's not it doesn't quite work out for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, I did see the trailer, and I actually recently shared an article by the Cut on Humboldt last week Facebook, and uh, I could just like read a little bit from that right now. It says. She's a lonely woman. Her mother dies in an early scene struggling with her grief in Humboldt County in a Redwood home. She walks in the forest for solace, but the trees keep coming down. Her boyfriend works as a logger. 
Teresa's job as a clerk in the marijuana dispensary, which is seedy and neon lit. A little bit more complicated and treacherous than her sleepy eyes initially suggest. The action centers on the particularly potent strains of pot that have replaced lumber as Humboldt County's most famous cash crop. And they shot here for a long time, is that right? Yeah, they shot the entire feature film here. I mean, yes, and that's a good good outline of what the basics are, but what she really what it really is is a psychological kind of, you know, film of of her going through all of those motions, you know, and it's it's a trip. It's definitely a trip. Um but beautifully shot and they shot the entire film here um for I think it was about a 4-week shoot, four and a half week shoot. Um but they were here for months prior to that scouting all the locations cuz they used numerous homes and um they shot in the forest and they had dispensary they had to create and they had the lumber um lumber sites uh there was tons of locations you know for a full feature film so and then they also cast luckily as well so they had a lot of um you know supporting actors and um or smaller roles you know in, in backgrounds yeah like i remember you talking about them shooting at night uh with the film lights on our redwoods and that just has to be a completely unique experience for you it was stunning i mean I've seen, I saw Sequoia Park before with, with, um, a night shoot, and that was really interesting. Um, but to be in Humboldt Redwood State Park at a night shoot like that, it was, the lighting is just amazing. The DP is fantastic, and it was just, um, it, 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 the, the whole look, if you look at the trailer, not only, you know, was it lit, but it was lit in this, this really, um, you know, unique way that just was just, it's just stunning. It's gorgeous. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, the stunning shots and everything, how they hired local crew and actors and stand-ins for the stars. Uh, what sort of feedback did you get from, you know, locals about, you know, the uh, bigwig cast and crew coming up here to shoot in Humboldt? Well, you know, it, it was very exciting for a lot of them. So, like, KK, who is the production designer, he was the production designer for her. He was on the shoot. I mean, the quality of people that you got to work with. You know, it was an indie, you know, small film. In, in some regards, you know, it it, it was more of a, a smaller shoot, small budget, you know, more intimate, not the same as when you have, like, a big studio set and the big departments are kind of all off in different, you know, places. This was just a core group of people together. So our locals got to talk to them and, and be around them and work with them in a way that they usually wouldn't do if it was a big studio film. So here they are dealing with someone like KK, who is this, you know, amazing production designer, um, and you know the the locals that were PAing or or you know in the different departments got to you know connect and talk to someone like that, and and it was a great experience for our locals then to be able to be around people of that that caliber. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kirsten Dunst, she's done so much in the industry, and she's very versatile. Would you say she was you know kind of in her element and focused, or was she, was she more approachable? She was great. I mean, the first time I met her, um, it was in rehearsals. I had to open up a studio for them, a dance studio, so that they could go and rehearse some of the, the physical stuff that she had to do. And um, and she was great. She was very focused. Was you know, I think she beat me to the place, to the location, and she was there and just you know went straight to work. And um, and you know, it was a very demanding role, very intense demanding role. And she was you know, did what it took. It seemed to me, from an outsider's perspective, you know, um, to prepare for it and and then you know and then she you know was got involved in the community and 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 um you know was 
you know, shopped and hung out at different places and stuff. And so she, you know, seemed to me like she really, um, you know, not only was, you know, here for the role, but then enjoyed the, the community as well. Where does Kirsten Dunst shop in Humboldt County? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I know that she was spotted shopping around the plaza, you know. You're right. In right. Yeah, I wonder what she bought. Hmm. So, um, IMDB, I don't know if you saw the uh, Did You Know section up there, but you were mentioning how challenging this role was for her. And I just thought I'd bring this up. It says, uh, Kirsten Dunst described this role as the most challenging part she's ever done on top of Lars von Trier's Melancholia from 2001 and then uh, the TV series Fargo in 2015. Did you catch that? Wow, I did not see that. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I saw Fargo... Uh, that second season that she did and oh my goodness was she incredible in that so um, so excited for this screening you mentioned shooting in the redwoods and then also I saw that they shot at some private houses in Bayside I noticed that on the um, the shooting locations on the invite and the screening for the minor and uh, whenever I posted the last time we talked on Reddit someone uh, who lives out on old Arcata Road talked about how the crew just kind of knocked on their door and then asked to use their house because it fit the scene. And then they like paid him twelve hundred bucks just to leave for five days. Uh, does that happen a lot with crews where they're just like knocking on the door and saying, "Hey, you want some money to take off for a while?" Well, you know, yes and no. I mean, so for instance, because so many locations, um, we were able to like find Kirsten's uh, residence, her mom's residence, the house. Um, I I was able to actually bring that location to the film production because we had a local who had submitted their home and so I had it in my archives and was able to submit it as I think this is what you're looking for and that's indeed what they ended up choosing as Kirsten's house Um, Mm -hmm. but there was other homes that you know they were looking for that you know we had to sit there and scour the county literally for about five weeks there was a, a producer they brought in just to um, go and look at the houses besides the local location manager that you know did an amazing job managing all the different locations and scouting as well but there was just so many places they needed that they brought this special producer in to go around and do it and so he would go knock on doors if he thought it looked like one of the many locations they needed um, and we gave them our cards so that way people knew that they could call us and and that's true of any situation if anybody ever gets um, a knock on the door and someone saying, hey, I'm interested in filming at your place and they want to make sure that that person's legitimate, they can call our film office and make sure. Um, we've done that many times now for several different projects and we have no problem letting them know, yes, indeed, that person is legitimate, we're working with them, or, you know, which we haven't had to say yet, um, no, we've never heard of that person. You know, <laughs> so, Yeah, that'd be quite a scam. Well, that's awesome, uh, providing the uh, facilitation as the film commissioner. We thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, other film locations that they wrote down here, like the Arcata Plaza, uh, the Lager Bar in Blue Lake, uh, a storefront in Old Town Eureka. So, yeah, the Lager Bar in Blue Lake, like, what happened there? Were people just, you know, enjoying a, a brewski, and then all of a sudden uh, a film crew shows up, and they're like, hey, do you want to be an extra in this? Um, that one was actually set up. They knew about that one. They knew that Humboldt County, the movie, filmed at the Lager Bar. Um, mm-hmm. So when something like that happens in a place like that, they don't, you usually don't just show up and, and a film crew doesn't show up. You know? <laughs> right. And, and, and yeah. even in, in regards to the homes, like usually a film crew doesn't show up. Someone might not. A lot of planning. Yeah. We'll be back, you know. Um, yeah. So in that regard, they um, probably, you know, I, I actually I know it was the same producer um, had connected with the the 
owner, and it's a different owner since Humboldt County, the movie, but he connected with her and, and arranged that, and they were able to negotiate um, a good time and, and when it would work with the bar versus the film. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in all their own people. They bring in their own background and their own uh, crew. Well, there's these special screenings at the Miners, September 9th. Uh, the first one is like a VIP thing. It's like catered, red carpet event before the show. That's 30 bucks. And then the second one is a uh, you know film-only encore screening for only $9.50. Uh, you're anticipating this to sell out, right? We are, because um, there's only 100 and, I believe, seven seats um, for each screening. And the second one, there'll still be the red carpet with the step and repeat, and people can take their pictures in front of that. Um, in front of the minor as well. There just won't be the champagne and the appetizers and the live music. Um, and we are using the same caterer that catered Woodshock, as well as the same musician who played at several of their parties. Um, so it's pretty exciting. And so, yes, the the first screening will have all the bells and whistles, and the second one will have just the red carpet and the step and repeat with the movie screening. Oh, so who's the musician? Michael David. He's fantastic. Hi. He plays uh-huh. um, guitar and sings, and he's just amazing. They, the The producers saw him before they started filming during um, prep, and they loved him. And so we had a kickoff party um, for the movie, um, 4th of July, because they were starting filming uh, the next Monday after that. And so we had him at the party, and it was um, they loved it. Yeah, And then he had uh-huh. a little bit at the rap party as well, so... Well, we're so excited to be able to check it out before the movie actually comes out. So special screenings of Kirsten Dunst's Woodshock, September 9th at the Minor Theater. There's a couple of uh, uh, events you could check out, and there's the Facebook event for more details. Is there anything else you want to mention, Cassandra? No, we're just, you know, always thrilled when, when production comes up here because it brings in a lot of money to our economy. They they spent about $800,000 uh, during that time frame that they were here. And after you add the multiplier, it's, it's you know almost 2.4 million by the time the money leaves the economy. So we're just thrilled that when they do come, you know that really that's the biggest benefit is the the dollars that they spend in our community. So how does that work? So you have like the you know almost a million dollar range that they actually spend here, and then and then how does it work where you know they where you estimate that they spent more than that? So the the. 800000 is the direct dollars that they spent on the actual shoot. So that is, you know, their locations, they're hiring their local crew, hiring the local cast, um, their hotels, the food that they have to purchase um, for set, you know, the caterer. Those costs that directly have to go in, that go into making the actual film. But they also had days off. They also had, um, so the crew would go out, you know, they don't get dinner, you know, um, or a third meal, I should say. And they, they have, um, you know, they might, you know, go do tourist activities. Um, there's all these other expenses that get included that the California Film Commission gives out this number. Um, and it's basically for every dollar they spend on the movie, really they end up spending $2.95 in your community. So, and then the money also circulates within our community three times before it leaves. So the real economic effect that we have is, is, um, this $2.95 multiplier. So that's how it turns into 2.4 before the money leaves the economy. That's the real Im- final impact of this 800000 coming in turns into 2.4 before it leaves. Oh, gosh. Well, I think Woodshock can only mean good things for our community because this, this movie looks incredible. I can't wait to see it. Thanks again, Cassandra, for talking to me about it. 
Thank you. <laughs> All right. My name is Miles Cochran. I want to one more time thank you for listening this week. Please do like Humboldt Last Week on Facebook for episode updates and localized content. Thank you so much to episode partners Bongo Boy Studio. And remember, you can check out HumboldtLastWeek.com to listen, connect, and check out new music playlists. Please tell a friend. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye. Humboldt Last Week.